Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Realtor Talks with me, Lloyd Rosales-Cox. Thanks for joining me today. I have Ryan Dixon from LuxuryProperty.com, one of my colleagues here on the podcast today. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. Thank you for having me, Lloyd. Good to be here. Okay, just, uh, just so everyone can understand who you are and who you are as a guest on the show, can you just give a brief introduction about yourself, Ryan, where you're from and when you moved to Dubai? Sure. So, yeah, my name is Ryan Dixon. Um, as Lloyd says, I'm one of the uh, private client advisors here at LuxuryProperty.com. Um, as you can probably tell by my accent, I am British. Um, so I'm from just outside of Reading. Uh, so that's west of London for those people that aren't familiar with uh, the UK. Um, but actually grew up in Germany. So spent a lot of my childhood um, in Munich in Germany um, was actually born there and lived there for 10 years um, and then I think my parents seemed to have the the expat bug at that point so we actually moved to Saudi uh, for a couple of years when I was younger uh, back to Germany um, and then over to England when I was about 13 um, clearly the expat bug has rubbed off on on me um, and now my wife as well um, given that we're obviously in Dubai. Um, so we moved over to Dubai coming up to three and a half years ago now um, from the UK. Um, yes, yeah, so I moved over. We always wanted to uh, do the expat thing as adults. We'd both done it as kids, uh, but wanted to do it as adults. Um, and after a lot of years of talking about it, we finally pulled our fingers out and, and made the move back in 2016. We actually landed on Christmas Eve 2016, which was an interesting time to land in a hot, um, non-typically Christmas country. Okay, well, that's that's really interesting. So you're kind of, well, you're both third, third culture kids, I would say then, if you've uh, grown up in multiple different uh, countries. And then obviously your, your daughter's obviously going to be a... Uh, similar breed as you guys i think expat brat is probably what she'll be if we're not already <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that depends on how uh, how you uh, raise them rather than <laughs> yeah. rather than where definitely, you definitely an expat brat then. <laughs> do, you, do you think you, that kind of rubbed off on you living in say in, in germany or growing up there or in saudi because you don't seem you know that kind of typical expat brat uh, type <laughs> No, no, I mean, I, I think it's like you say, it's one of those things where I don't think there's such a thing as an expat brat. It's all about kind of how the parents bring bring you up. I think what expat life did for me, and I guess it's it's relevant talking about it in a podcast in Dubai with two British guys. I think what it did for me is it, and my sister actually as well, who um, lived in Dubai for a period of time, um, is it kind of made us fairly well-rounded um, because we were so used to dealing with other cultures uh, we were so used to uh, different nationalities we both went to a, an international school in Germany um, we were in the English section uh, but we were surrounded by the Spanish section the Scandinavian section um, Italian section so you've got lots of different um, understanding of different cultures and their approach to things obviously all of our teachers were international as well so i think what that did is it rubbed off on us in a positive light in terms of we feel that we are relatively well-rounded and I was, it was actually really interesting going back at the age of 13 and 11 going back to the uk 
um, back to a UK schooling system. Um, and as you know, Lloyd, UK schooling system can be quite brutal at times, uh, just in terms of culture. So it's really interesting going from an international, I always saw it as quite a happy, lovey-dovey culture, to a, I went to an all-boys school in the UK. So going back to an all-boys school, as a 13-year-old kid coming from Germany, um, you can imagine the kind of uh, the kind of abuse that I got at times. But the good thing about it, and if any kids are listening to this that are expats, um, make sure you play a sport or do something that you're good at. Because as soon as they realise that I can play a bit of football, and Lloyd, you'll probably argue on whether I can play football or not, but that's another podcast. Um, as soon as they realised they could, I could play football, I was accepted. So find your niche and stick with that because um, it really does help. Yeah, because well, that's what I was going to ask you actually mentioning that because sometimes I think it might be a bit difficult to to fit in. If you, it's all great having the the well-rounded experience, and I think that's something that all kids need. And definitely going and living in a different country, I find people who have that experience in their childhood are definitely much more well well-rounded and have a much different uh, different experience in the in the time that they're growing up and the time that you really develop as a person uh, than other people who have kind of just stuck in their their one place but also there's the flip side to that of not really being able to to fit into a certain place so I'll just give you like my perspective on it I'm like my dad is British my mom is Filipino so I don't really like fit in either one I'm not like for British. I'm not British enough to be a British guy, but I'm also not Filipino enough to be one of the Filipino guys. So like you're kind of caught in the middle and sometimes you don't necessarily fit in fully with one group. It's great to have that knowledge of two completely different cultures, but then you also don't fit in. Did you find that at all when you, when you first moved or did you, did you adapt really easily? Uh, no, I did find it. And I think I still find it now um, uh, in terms of like, where am I from? Like, where is home? And I think one of the things that I, I, I kind of envy on um, other people is they have like their root set. So they've got like their, their homemates that they went to kindergarten with. They grew up through primary education, secondary education. They kind of stuck together through university as well, if they did go to university. Um, and they've got that real, I've got great friends, don't get me wrong, but they've got like, it's almost family at that point. And because we moved around a fair bit um, as kids, we didn't necessarily, or we don't necessarily have that, uh, that kind of proper grounding. Um, having said that, on the flip side, you just have more friends in different places. Um, but I think, yeah, to your point, like what, what you miss out on to a certain extent is having that, that home, that solid, solid home. So when people ask me, where are you from? The simple answer, if I don't really want to talk too much, is Wokingham just outside of Reading. Um, But yeah, if I get into the detail, then it's actually quite a complicated answer. Definitely. I think, well, I think we could even do a completely separate podcast on it if we we really went in depth, right? (laughs) We wouldn't do that today, maybe on a, on another one. Um, Going going back to say you were moving to Dubai on, on Christmas Eve. Why, why did you guys choose Dubai in the first place? Knowing that you'd been to multiple different countries out of, all the cities in the world, why did you choose Dubai? A um, couple of reasons, really. So my sister, as I mentioned before, she, she's lived out here for a period of time. She's actually just moved away now. 
Um, but she was out here, so she moved out here about two years before us. So we obviously got an understanding from her as to what it was like, um, not just as a, a city that you see as a tourist, but as somewhere that you can actually um, live properly and understanding. I think Dubai often gets a bit of a negative perception of being glitzy and glam and uh, just about uh, fine restaurants and, and fancy cars but I think when you know somebody that's lived here and you know someone who's close to you, as I know my sister that's lived here you get a more of an understanding of what it's really like what the expat culture is really like and uh, that really appealed so we came on holiday um, to see what it was like um, and we made a decision at that point to, um, to actually think about moving here um, there were other options, so Hong Kong, Singapore, um, Australia is always on the cards for, for most Brits, uh, but for us that was a bit too far away. So I think the thing that really attracted to us, to a, to us about Dubai is how close it is to the UK, relatively. Um, so it's what, a seven hour flight and it's not too expensive. Um, and I think one of the important factors as well is just the, uh, the ease of access to it in terms of language mainly. Um, I can't speak any Arabic. I know you can speak a bit of Arabic, but um, even though I can't speak any Arabic, which is terrible having been here three and a half years, but um, it's quite easy to access. It's quite easy to do work over here in, I guess, the um, first non-official language being, being English. Um, so that was a real draw to us um, for, for Dubai as a location. Okay, great. And so well, I personally know that you, when you moved over here, you weren't working in, in real estate. Uh, you're, you're in a previous career. What, what made you move from, from that career and maybe explain to anyone who's listening what you did previously and transition into to real estate? Sure. Yeah. So I was, a, uh, I was and I have been all through my career a marketer. Um, so I actually did uh, marketing at university or I always knew that I wanted to get into marketing. I think going back to childhood, it was um, advertising that really, really appealed to me. I'm, I'm a relatively creative person. So the, the, the creative side of it really appealed to me. So I did marketing at university um, and then coming out of university with, with that degree actually went into marketing from a career perspective uh, back in what 2007, a long time ago now. Um, and worked for um, corporates, uh, so relatively big corporates, um, always doing uh, business to consumer marketing. Um, I did a bit of business to business marketing, uh, but found that quite dull actually. Um, so yeah, worked for the likes of Merlin Entertainment, so big theme park brand big attraction brand uh, I specifically worked for, Thorpe Park. Um, also worked for uh, a marketing agency working with BMW and Mini, um, obviously two great uh, automotive brands, uh, which was fantastic. Um, worked in a couple of startups as well, um, as well as places like Nando's, uh, which was a fantastic experience for me. I think I, I worked out, so I worked there for three years and one of the perks that we got at Nando's was that you got a free meal every day that you worked. So I worked out, I probably had about 1,200 Nando's in my lifetime, um, <laughs> which is a fair few. Um, but yeah, always worked in marketing, um, came over here and obviously um, came over, uh, we actually came over on my wife's job. Um, she works for KFC, interestingly enough, so we were the chicken couple back in the day. Um, 
and decided to obviously stick with marketing there, it made sense to come over and continue doing what I was doing previously in, in the UK. Um, so worked for a couple of companies over here, including the likes of Virgin Mobile and The Entertainer. Um, and I guess the career change had been bubbling away for me for a period of time. Um, I liked marketing, but I was being brutally honest, I was starting to fall out of love with marketing. Um, and I think that really came to a head over here um, for various reasons that I'm not going to go into on this kind of podcast, but it was just a different sort of approach to marketing and, it, and a, in my opinion, a different quality of marketing. And I basically just wasn't enjoying it anymore. So um, it was actually just before our daughter was born, um, we kind of sat down and uh, had the conversation about, about a career change and whether it made sense to do it now. Um, if not, when did it make sense to do? And ultimately, what was I going to get involved in? Um, there was a couple of things. One was setting up my own e-commerce business because part of my marketing experience was working in, in e-commerce, especially towards the last kind of four or five years of my, of my career in marketing. Um, but then obviously property was another one. And I think property for me was always an interest. And I think I was thinking about this uh, last night. Um, think about where where does that interest really stem from um, and I think I, I came to the point where it was actually walking around town centers in the UK with my dad because he'd always go to the property windows uh, the estate agents windows and look at properties I never understood it at the time I never understood why we had a house but he'd look at property um, but slowly over the years, I kind of got an understanding of uh, why property was of interest. Um, and yeah, I just developed an interest in property from there. Uh, love brand designs, love the likes of location, location, location. Sarah Beanie was one of my weirdly childhood heroes. For those people that don't know Sarah Beanie, she was probably the queen of property shows in the UK when, when I was growing up. Um, so it all really started from there. Um, and sorry if you can hear my baby screaming. <laughs> um, yeah so it all started from there really um, and then when we made the decision or when I made the decision to take a career change um, and property was the, the direction that I wanted to go in um, it was a risk to be honest um, and uh, but it was a risk that I was willing to take and I wanted to explore um, so to get involved in it, um, I, I was actually speaking to a friend of mine and I was speaking to him about uh, potentially going into property. Um, and he mentioned this guy on YouTube, um, wasn't you unfortunately Lloyd, um, it, was, it was Andrew, the owner of, uh, or one of the owners of luxuryproperty.com. And he said, oh, this guy on YouTube that I follow, he's, he's a funny guy um, and yeah, he just does real estate with a difference. And he, um, he kind of does it in the luxury end of the of the market. So I started watching him on YouTube. Um, really liked his personality. Really liked his approach, and ultimately liked the properties that he was presenting. So started following him on Instagram. So a very social introduction into him. And I just thought, you know what? What have I got to lose? Let's let's reach out to him and see whether he's up for having a, a catch up um, and my pitch genuinely to him and I'm sure he can get a screenshot of the direct message on Instagram 
my pitch genuinely to him was, I have no sales experience. I have no real estate experience. Would you be interested in having a conversation with me about a sales job in real estate? Um, and I think that that is my approach a lot of the time is just to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough that that resonated with Andrew. Um, and yeah, we had had that meeting and um, it went from there. I got into into luxury real estate. Okay, well, that's 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 really interesting. Are you are you, you know, obviously it's a risk to move and change career. I've I've had that same path as as well as you well know, Ryan. Um, are you are you a quite risk averse person? Was this a was this a complete change for you in terms of what you've you've been traditionally into, or are you someone who does take risks on a regular basis, or was it like a massive life changing thing for you? Um, I mean, I I guess in terms of my risk. Adversity. I'm more of a risk taker. It's obviously a spectrum. I'm more on the riskier side than the uh, non-risky side. Um, so yeah, I guess that that was that helped the situation. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean ultimately, I I don't make I don't take stupid risks. Um, I'm fairly process driven, and I fairly calculated in the decisions that. I make, we make as a family because it was an important family decision, not just a me um, and a career decision for me. It was a, ultimately a family decision. Um, so it was important for me to go through that detail um, and make sure that it was a decision that could be sustained first and foremost uh, from a, let's be honest, from a financial perspective. Um, and I think for me as well, what made it more comfortable for us as a family to go through with that decision was having a bit of a plan to it. So it wasn't just a case of, oh, I'm fed up of marketing, I'm gonna go into real estate. It was, okay, is this the right point to leave marketing? Why is it the right point to leave marketing? And when I go into real estate, what's my plan? And for me, um, without going too much into the plan. But for me, there was a couple of key milestones um, that I set myself. It was a six month and a 12 month. Um, and it was a clear view of what I wanted to achieve by six months and which I've now passed um, in terms of the timing um, and what I want to achieve within 12 months. And I think why that was important for me and I'd advise this to, to anybody getting into any career change, but especially real estate was it can, it's going to be, it's, there's times where it's going to be tough. There's no doubt about it. Whatever career change you make, there's times where you're going to look at it and go, why have I made this decision? Why didn't I just stick to the thing that I'm qualified in and then I've got 15 years of experience in? Because there's a lot to learn. There's a lot of challenges. There's lots of things that I disagree with in terms of approach. There's a lot of things that frustrate me. Um, and I think if I didn't have that, that plan and ultimately those two milestones in place, there would have been several occasions where I'd have thought, you know what, this isn't for me, I'm out. But by having that, especially the six month one, by having that milestone in place, it kept me on the track of going, you know what, yes, I've had a, a rubbish day or a rubbish week, or I haven't understood something or I've been frustrated by something, but here's my view, here's my plan, stick out with that plan. And in sales especially, I think, um, there's ups and downs all the time. Um, it's a bit of a roller coaster, so you've got to have a plan to make sure that you can yes, ride that roller coaster. Yeah, well, that that kind of really leads me on to how, like, you you're speaking about how you're finding it, the ups and downs. 
how has it been in these in these first six months and has anything really surprised you that you weren't expecting yeah um it's been, it's been really good like overall it's been really good and like i just alluded to there uh, yes it's been challenging at times it's very different to the world that i've been used to um in marketing and, and the corporate world uh, there's a lot to learn there's no doubt about it there's um, a lot of information to learn a lot of new processes to learn a lot of new approaches to kind of get used to um, not only from a how to conduct yourself but simple things like I was a marketer I was a digital marketer I wore shorts and t-shirts into the office when I was at Nando's I wore jeans when I was at O2 um, so simple things like getting used to having to wear a suit again and a shirt again I genuinely just before I started my career in real estate I had to go back to my dad's house and pick up a load of ties because he'd luckily just retired um, so little things like that um, you've just got to get used to um, so it has been has been a challenge uh, but overall I've really enjoyed it and I'm the kind of person that I like to learn and I think that's a really important thing for anybody is that you've got to continuously uh, develop yourself um, in your field and other fields as well and I like to give myself those challenges to, to learn new things. So from that perspective, it's, it's been fantastic. Um, in terms of things that have surprised me, um, yeah, there have been things that have surprised me. I think probably the one of the main things that surprised me is, and this might resonate with you, Lloyd, having come from a, um, a non-real uh, estate background as well, but if I think back to my marketing career, uh, I obviously worked in teams and, and managed teams. Um, and so, the focus on teamwork was so important to getting your job done and getting results done. And I think being really brutal, one of the things that I've been really interested and surprised about in real estate is that teamwork does exist. And I think Lloyd, we obviously work in the same Arabian Ranches team at the moment and it's working really well. But if you go a layer below that, and one of the things I found quite surprising is that actually the the, the dynamic of teams in real estate generally is very different because actually, if you think about it, your sometimes your biggest competitor is actually your teammate because you're working for the same company, looking at the same leads um, in the same communities. Um, so that's been a real interesting, um, I guess, psychological challenge for me is like, okay, how, un, first, of all, first off, understanding that, realizing that, and then understanding how to adapt to that so that you still make it an environment like I think we've got in the Raven Ranches team right now where you can work as a team, uh, but there is that element of competitiveness. So that, that for me has been an eye opener and I guess a surprise. Um, and then I think the other one that's been surprising on a, on a really positive front, and I hopefully this helps other people if they're thinking about making career changes, is I've been really surprised at, so I've got six months of real estate experience, six months of sales experience. And I was always very conscious at the beginning that that, that was something that I was anxious of. And I was worried that people were going to see through that. And I was worried that people were going to ask about that. And I didn't know how to answer it. Um, I'm a very transparent and honest person. And I think that's one of my approaches to my positioning as a real estate agent is I want to be I think you're very similar. You want to be a trusted advisor and you want to be honest and open and transparent with, with your clients. Um, so given my lack of uh, real estate experience, I wanted to be open and honest with people. But what's been really surprising is that 
people really don't care. Um, and I think that comes from, when I say they don't care, they don't ask about it and they don't assume or think that I haven't got plenty of experience. And um, I think that comes from a couple of things, obviously. It comes from one, as long as you're providing good, honest, um, knowledgeable advice, then actually there's no need for people to ask that question because you're adding value to the experience that they're going through. And I think that's the key thing is that my anxiety on that, I haven't got much real estate experience, was completely got over by the fact that actually as long as you know your stuff and as long as you can talk confidently um, to your clients about that and add value to their, their experience, it's not an issue. Um, and you get through. I, I agree completely. And that's definitely something I was also wary of because, you know, in other fields, you'll be essentially starting from the bottom and you were talking about having years and years of experience in marketing. You wouldn't just jump into a, a higher marketing role that easily without having that kind of experience. Here in, no. in the real estate industry, as long as you learn your stuff and that does take, there is an incubation period for that. You're not going to learn that stuff in the first day, but as long as you keep learning and the industry moves so fast, the market is always changing. So as long as you're up to date, if you have that knowledge, you're ahead of someone, even if they might have 15 years experience, if they haven't been keeping up to date with the latest changes in mortgage rates and uh, what new project has been released in the last month, then, then you're already jumping ahead of them despite having much less experience than, than them in, in terms of overall years. I think, Definitely. Uh, I think in terms of knowledge that works, in terms of maybe sales techniques, that is something that still takes a bit, a bit more time. Um, and I'm also still, still learning that despite having a bit of a background in sales beforehand. But it's, yeah, it's a completely different thing. But knowledge, 100%, uh, you can, you can over, overtake someone's experience just, just by learning your stuff and staying dedicated to the job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think knowledge, um, without sounding cheesy, but knowledge is definitely power in 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 real estate. And I think that's one of the other things that surprised me is that by doing some of the basics right, or what I and we Lloyd consider the basics right, um, and part of that is just understanding your products, understanding the market. By doing those basics right, you cut through so much competition because you'll be amazed at how many people don't do those basics right. Um, which is great for us because it cuts through some of the competition brutally, but um, that's what it's about, really. Yeah. So you were talking before, obviously, and we're, we're talking right now about, about learning and all the new things that you've had to do. But have you been able to transfer any of your, your marketing background and bring it into your own you know, real estate business? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think... Well, whatever industry you're from previously, if you are making a career change, I think the important thing, and this is one of the things that I did when I was kind of looking at getting into real estate and kind of making the decision and coming up with that, that plan was, okay, what transferable skills can I kind of take from my marketing background, but not only my marketing background, I guess the, the corporate background that I was involved in. Yes, I was in the marketing department, but I was obviously um, working with, a corporate structure. I was working with finance teams. I was working with HR teams. So, um, bringing transferable skills from yes, marketing um, as a specific, but the corporate side as well was really important to me. Um, I think the things that I brought across, uh, or the, 
couple of key things that I brought across. Um, one, and I think this is the biggest thing for me so far, is, is listening. Um, I think good marketers um, and good marketing campaigns are based on insights. And that insight comes from listening to your target audience and listening to your customer. I think any brand or company that doesn't listen to their customer when they're developing products, uh, putting marketing campaigns out there, they, they really struggle and they just don't resonate with, with their audience. Um, and that all comes from listening to your customer. There's obviously lots of different ways of listening to your customer. It doesn't need to be literally sitting there and listening to them talk, although that is very important, but it comes from market insights. So looking at data, looking at what, what trends are out there. Um, and then based on that understanding of your customer by listening to them, um, is delivering messaging off the back of that, that, that makes sense to them. Because I think if you don't do that, ultimately what you end up doing is you end up delivering messaging or speaking, um, and you're really not hitting uh, the nail on the head for that customer. Um, and the quality of your conversation will be really affected by that because ultimately they don't want to listen to you because you're not talking, you're not speaking about things that make sense and resonate with those guys. Um, so listening is definitely one of the things that I brought across. Um, and I think adding to that, um, one of the things in marketing, marketing is ultimately a very psychological um, skill set, I guess. And actually one of the things that if I'd have stayed in marketing that I was always looking at uh, doing was doing some sort of um, education in psychology because it is so important to, to marketing. But understanding the psych psychology of a customer is really important. Um, so what motivates people? So we deal with customers on a, on a regular basis and obviously um, by asking them questions and allowing them to talk and listening to them, you can understand what from a psychological, psychological point of view, I really struggle to say that word by the way, as you can tell, <laughs> from a psychological point of view, what are going to be the, the hot buttons that you can press um, that mean that your conversation adds value to them. So yeah, I think those two things, listening and the psychology behind um, messaging and delivering messaging are the two key things that I brought across um, from marketing into real estate. Okay, yeah, that, that's that's definitely really really interesting. And I don't think that the the marketing on on uh, by agents and um, by developers is really really great here in Dubai. Do you, do you agree with me on that? Like, what do you think developers or individual agents marketing themselves? could do better here in Dubai because like, what, what I see is just people putting up a sponsored advert on Instagram, just a picture or whacking up a billboard on, on Shakeside Road. I don't see how it really adds value to people, like you say, or listening to what they need. What, what do you think people are really doing wrong? Um, I think one of the key challenges, and this isn't just in real estate, it's, it's everywhere. It's, and being blunt, it's especially in this region. Um, one of the one of the tendencies is to, you've got a load of information about your products um, and you know that information inside out. One of the tendencies is to just go there and just dump it on people and hope that something sticks. Um, that really doesn't work because um, it's overwhelming for the customer to take all that information in and ultimately they end up taking away nothing. So I think one of the, one of the key things that people can do, developers and agents can do differently over here is, is think about when um, and 
where to deliver messaging and how to stagger it. Um, and I guess going back to my marketing world, how to deliver an overall campaign instead of just a one-off burst. Because actually by delivering an overall campaign and staggering the messaging um, and delivering different parts of the uh, products benefits at different times, um, that's gonna help the customer understand what your product is um, a lot better than if you just do that kind of verbal diarrhea, here you go, here's everything, go away and uh, kind of sift through that yourself. Um, so yeah, I think that's one of the key things. I think the other key thing, and um, I guess coming from a marketing background, this is super, super important, um, is honesty. Honesty and transparency are so key. I think from a marketing point of view, especially in the, the UK, we were governed by the Advertising Standards Authority. So I come from a background where I wasn't allowed to not tell the truth on marketing campaigns because if I did, the Advertising Standards Authority would come over to me or our company, our agency and say, what you've said there, there's no, back, there's no backing for that and it's bending the truth or it's not true. Um, and yeah, so you had to tell the truth and think of creative ways of making sure that that truth resonates with your, your customer base. And I think that's one thing that developers and agents can do better here is that ultimately taking an honest and transparent approach um, is gonna benefit you in the long run uh, because pulling the wool over people's eyes, people are gonna find out about that. So yeah, you might get a couple of sales in the short term, but what do you wanna build? Do you wanna build a couple of sales in the short term or do you wanna build a reputation in the medium and long term that is this advisor or this agent is trusted um, and I'll do business with him and I'll recommend him or her to other people that hopefully will do business with him. For me, it's the latter. Um, and I think that comes from being transparent, being honest, and to your point, Lloyd, adding value to customers that you're speaking to. Okay, yeah, that's that's definitely completely agree with you, Ryan. And yeah, there's a long way to go on, on that, I think, here. Um, whether it be individual agents putting up listings on places like Property Finder or developers just yeah, not throwing all that information or diluting their message maybe by giving that information to agents who then throw out all that information rather than having a, a proper campaign. But I think that will just over time and um, developers will learn how to, to do that properly. Um, yeah, and I think it's the responsibility of agents as well, because there's no doubt, and it's always going to be a tricky one. I think if I was working in a in a developer's team, um, yeah, you want to make sure that you're armoring the agents that are ultimately selling your product with all of the information. So you want to give them that information up front. Um, but I think where developers can perhaps do a bit more, and I haven't seen it so far, but obviously I'm only six months into my career in real estate, so it might exist, but I think yes, give agents and brokerage companies the information up front, but then perhaps suggest um, tactics with that information, suggest campaigns with that information, suggest ways in which a bit of a strategy, a bit of a common strategy on how an agent should deliver the messaging with all of the information they've got. I think at the moment what developers do is they go, here's everything, and then they step away. Yeah. Whereas actually, I think where they'd really benefit is, here's everything, here's our suggestion for campaigns that have worked based on X, Y, and Z. 
backing that up with data. Um, and here's an approach that we think makes sense with you. And then I think that's where between the developer and the brokerage or the agents within that brokerage, that's where you build up a, a bit of a collaboration. You start to set up a bit of a team where actually working together on delivering campaigns that benefits you as an agent because ultimately you're selling that product and the developer because they're getting through their stock in a, in a, in a better way. Yeah, I think well, maybe what's traditionally happened is that they do that and it's been successful because projects have sold out and it's, and it's been quick. So there's no time to go through a you know, layered campaign. It's just like, get it out there where everything is sold quickly and then we'll move on to the next one. It's more transactional yeah. than uh, relation, relationship building. But I think that with, as the market matures, it will have to move further to, towards that model. Yeah, and there's, ne there's never a hard and fast way of doing it. And I go back to the marketing experience that I've got. There was never a, well, only this way makes sense. There's times absolutely when it's just transactional and you just need to get the information out there as quickly as possible. Um, having said that, you can still be targeted. You can still kind of drip campaigns through. It doesn't need to be over a six-month period. It can be over a three-day period. Um, but yeah, it's not saying that there's a hard and fast rule for everything. It's each campaign, it's each uh, mark, it's each product on a case-by-case -case basis. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, well, thanks for that, Ryan. Um, I'm going to well, completely change tack and maybe go a bit back to what we were speaking about previously. And I do a top five with all the people who come on, on the podcast. Uh, we were speaking yep. before about moving into the real estate industry. Can you give anyone who's looking to move from another industry into the real estate world some top five tips that you'd recommend for preparation or realization before moving into the industry? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, like, I like this. I love a, a good uh, top five. Um, so, I mean, for me, um, the five that I've kind of come up with is and these are obviously very relevant to me. Um, first on, take the leap. Um, there's 100% no such thing as the perfect time to, to take that leap into, into real estate and, and changing careers. For me, sorry, my daughter's just spilled water all over the table. Um, so for me, um, talking about my daughter, I made that decision three weeks before she was born. Is that the perfect time? Absolutely not. But you've just got to make those decisions. Um, I've come into real estate in a market that is uh, a bit nuts at the moment with everything going on. Um, I won't mention the, the C word, um, but it is a bit nuts. So you can't predict those things. So if you're worried about finding the perfect time, um, then it, it's going to it's going to be really really tough. So just take the leap is my first one. Um, second one I'd say is choose the brokerage that you want to work for wisely. Um, and I think for me, what that means is based on your values um, and how you want to position yourself in the market, make a decision on your brokerage based on that. So for me personally, I wanted to position myself uh, more in the the higher end of the real estate market um, and I wanted to work for a brokerage that was being blunt less of a, a boiler room and I think some of the, the bigger brokerage companies over here um, they 
they've got a bit more of a, and it works for them, by the way, so this isn't a criticism at all, but they've got a bit more of a Wolf of Wall Street approach. They've got a bit more of a, um, a boiler room approach. That, for me, with the background that I've come from and the type of person I am, I knew wouldn't have worked. So um, for me, it was about choosing a company that um, didn't do that um, and ultimately position myself as a luxury broker. So that's why I ultimately chose luxuryproperty.com. Um, so that would be my second. Third would be um, find, find your mentors um, and mentors, plural, on purpose. Because, um, yes, it's great to have one good mentor. But uh, for me, I think at the moment, especially, it's about having multiple mentors that I can lean on uh, because I'm learning the industry and I'm learning processes and I'm learning how to do things. Um, we spoke about it before, cheesy comment coming up, but knowledge is power um, and you get that knowledge from other people. Um, I didn't know anything about Dubai real estate previously, uh, realistically, um, but actually surrounding myself with uh, people that do and having them as mentors, um, yourself included, Lloyd, Liam, Jeffrey as an example, Andrew Cummings, Jason Haynes, um, Danny, um, who you know well as well, Lloyd, like he's, these guys, Richard, from a rentals perspective, these guys have been in the industry for a lot longer than I have um, and really know what they're doing. And they've made the mistakes previously that I will undoubtedly make. So it's really important to surround yourself by those people because you'll learn a lot from them and they'll help you on the way. Um, so that's three. How many more? Two more, right? Two more, yeah. Um, I'll be quick on these ones because I know I was rambling on on those first three. Um, fourth is bring your skills along. Um, don't ignore if you have had a career previously um, or not even just career. Don't ignore the experiences that you've, you've got. Uh, bring them along with you, whether that's a career experience, whether that's a traveling experience, whether that's a life experience. Bring them along because they add strings to your bow um, that are really important. Um, for you to kind of cut through in this industry and ultimately what people buy into uh, if you're thinking about clients of ours they're buying into you as a person so it's really important to bring those experiences experiences that you've got in your life along with you because it'll help it'll help people buy into you as a person um, and then the fifth one for me um, is uh, we talked about it a bit previously but 100% set goals and milestones when you come into this because if you don't set those goals and those milestones, um, the tricky times, and we talked about that roller coaster that real estate or any career changes, um, that those roller coaster drops will be bloody scary um, if you don't have those, those goals in mind and those milestones. And I think what those milestones especially do is it gets you through those tough days, tough weeks, um, and keeps you focused on, for me, that the first one was six months now it's 12 months it'll keep going through covid right now i know my milestone before covid was 12 months um, at which point i review what i've achieved and i make my next plan and my next decisions um, if i didn't have that milestone in place it'd be very easy to look at covid and go well this is this is rubbish let's go back to marketing my my daughter agrees as well. <laughs> I can I can hear that. <laughs> so 
so well that that's that's a good tangent actually because i did want to ask you about what your your future goals were and you know things that you're you're planning to implement that maybe you haven't done so already or things that you've seen from other agents that you think okay that's good i want to start doing that myself uh what are the things that come to your mind when you when you think of that um so i think the the, the near term thing is um, I've just moved areas. So I was working in Dubai Hills Estate when I first started. Um, and as you know, Lloyd, I'm now working in Arabian Ranches with yourself um, and a few others in the luxury property team. So for me, the first thing in terms of future is really getting to know Arabian Ranches, uh, building up my reputation, my presence in Arabian Ranches through relationships with owners, um, and ultimately getting listings, um, which is something that we as real estate agents obviously live and die by. Um, so that's kind of the, the near term focus is just really getting to, to grips with that new area. Um, I think the other thing is really positioning myself as a luxury property advisor. Um, and I think the likes of yourself, Lloyd, uh, Liam is probably a, a benchmark example of, of somebody that's really positioned and Andrew as well of people that have positioned themselves as trusted advisors in the niche that we operate in, in terms of the higher end type of property. Um, and I think the way that I want to deliver that and the thing that I'm going to focus on, um, kind of going forwards, um, and actually taking a lot of the, the lessons from you and the, um, I guess guidance from you on on content. Um, content is something that I did a lot in my previous marketing career. I haven't done as much as I wanted to do in my career in real estate so far, but I see the value of it. I see how important it is. Um, and yeah, getting content out there um, that helps me position myself as a luxury property advisor is really going to help things. Um, and then I think the other one is and slightly different one, I guess, um, but having managed teams previously, I really see the, the value of having people that are better at certain things than you are, because uh, there's no doubt about it, I'm rubbish at certain things. Um, so what I really want to do is build out my personal team. Um, so whether that's somebody that helps me out with my social media campaigns um, from a resource perspective, whether that's somebody that can support in my administration, um, so yeah, for me, it's about how do I add resource into my mini brokerage within the wider brokerage that ultimately helps me achieve what I want to achieve and helps the company along the way as well. Yeah, I think those are two you know, great points and something to work on and that's something that even we're doing right now in terms of the, the content part of things. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned like Liam, myself and Andrew, because we're the ones who are doing more, I guess, of the the social media stuff and, and YouTube and definitely I'd suggest doing, doing more of that. And they've also been on this podcast previous to you as well. So yeah, start, start doing more of that. I'm also you know, doing it at the moment. We won't mention the C word, but there's a bit more time and ability to connect with people doing that at the moment. So I think it's, it's a great time to, to start doing it. Um, in terms of what you're saying about building a team, hundred percent. And that's, you, you were mentioning about stuff that surprised you earlier um, and definitely the teamwork aspect is most people have certain skills that they they're good at but it seems that a lot of real estate, real estate agents they you're trying to do everything 
at one. You're trying to be the admin guy. You're trying to be good at sales. You're trying to be good at social media, for example. Mm. And not everyone has those skill sets. You can develop them, but it's difficult, firstly, to get all those skill sets in a, in a quick time period. And secondly, to have the time to do all of them simultaneously as well. So it's, a, no, it's definitely a great idea to, to start building that team. And you know, over time, you can have your own kind of mini brokerage within a brokerage, like you said. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, yes, there's a cost implication for that. But I guess my, my mindset is that that's going to pay off. And if it doesn't, then I guess using a startup phraseology, pivot and change it up a bit. And yeah, if it's not working and it's not giving you the results that you were hoping for by having that team, then stop doing it. And I think that's the important thing is with technology now, there's so many different ways in which you can do it. You don't need to hire somebody full time to be able to support you on social media. You can go onto the likes of um, what the Fiverr um, as a website and Upwork and you can get remote resorts that are specialists in their thing. They've got track records. They've got reviews from hundreds of other clients that they've worked with. Um, and you'll be surprised at how affordable some of those things are um, and how easy it is to implement it. And like I said, if it's not working, then fine. Just yeah. you, you're not, you've not hired somebody full time that you're sponsoring via visa and all that kind of stuff. So you can, you can stop that at the relevant points if, if need be, if you're not seeing any value from it. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, I think other brokers should, should also look into it because it will help them really, really scale their business. Okay, Ryan, uh, I have nothing else to ask from you today. Um, but if you can share with the, the listeners, the viewers, your social media handles so they can follow you on, on your accounts and feel free to yes. Yeah. Great. Um, so I think the one at the moment to focus on um, is my Instagram. So it's at that Lux property guy. Um, so at that Lux property guy. Um, and get, if I get more followers, I'm more likely to um, do more content. So <laughs> hold, hold me accountable for that. Any listeners and, and you, yourself, Lloyd. Uh, interestingly, I was in conversation with Daniel Daggers yesterday on Instagram, on my personal Instagram account. Um, and I said to him, by the way, um, so Daniel Daggers, for listeners that don't know, he's a luxury real estate agent in London, um, relatively big on, on Instagram. So I was randomly having a conversation with him, which I thought was really good that he was, he was clearly engaging in all of the comments and the likes and the posts that he had on his content, which is so important, no matter what level you get to. Um, so I had a bit of a few minute conversation with him on Instagram and I said to him, would you mind following me, following my uh, real estate handle? And I gave him the handle. He clearly had a look at it and he came back to me and said, when you get to 400 posts, and I think I'm on about 85 right now, when you get to 400 posts, I'll follow you. Um, which is really good because it's holding me accountable for doing more, not just because I want Daniel Daggers to be following me because does that add much value? Not sure. Um, but actually some people holding you accountable to things really helps you push to, to get where you want to, want to go. Definitely. And for anyone starting anything, it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time to, to build up that channel. So go follow 
Ryan on his uh, on his Instagram so he can start posting more and get to those 400 posts. Anyway, thanks for, for listening and thanks for coming on, Ryan. No worries. Thanks for having me. And please tune in to the next podcast when it comes along. Thank you.